Welcome to the Wounded Healers Podcast. I'm Janessa. And I'm Amy. We were brought together by our shared wound of an autoimmune condition in our early 20s. This is a place where we explore our wounds with our listeners and guests who recognize the challenges of being human in hopes of helping all of us let Let the the light light in. in. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Wounded Healers podcast. Hi, Janessa. How are you? Hey, Amy. I'm well. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm really good. Thank you. I'm going to resist talking about the weather because I feel like that's how we start every episode. I'm always like, I'm good. Thank you. It's a certain weather, so I'm not going to do that today. We're skipping the weather right to the good stuff. (laughs) So... A couple of weeks ago, we released my 30 things I've learned in 30 years. Um, And while we were going through that, one of the points that we touched on was around beauty standards. And I think it's something that resonated strongly with both me and Janessa. I mean, it's something I've been interested in for years now. Um, So I'd love a chance to talk about it. And I think we'd have a really good discussion. And I'm sure it's something that lots of you listening are impacted by as well. Um, So yeah, today's episode, we're just going to get into beauty standards and how they affect us. Yes, let's do it. And Amy, that question you had for the beauty standards in the 30 things you've learned by 30 episode, is there any way we could read that now to refresh refresh me (laughs) and our Mm -hmm. listeners? (laughs) So yeah, what I'd said I'd learn was that beauty ideals are completely fabricated and they keep us spiritually and financially poor. Dismiss them as often as you can. Wow. Oh my gosh. It's like my first time hearing that again. I'm just like, holy crap. I hope I have that much wisdom by 30. <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah. And I was kind of looking at this a little bit more today and I've just had so much stuff build up even more in terms of particularly with a slant of like chronic illness Mm -hmm. and how yeah how even at points kind of making yourself look ill is considered a beauty standard in some ways Mm -hmm. and is like glorified but being actually sick is something that's unacceptable to society and it's just it's just going to be a mind-blowing, mind-blowing chat yeah. for me at least. Oh, for me too. It always is. Yeah. I'm always sitting here in awe of like the things Amy brings up and then the places we go with our conversations. I'm like, oh man, that was a good one. <laughs> yeah. So so here we go, folks. <laughs> so yeah, we're, I'm curious because there's so many places we can start with this. Yeah. Do you have an age range where you felt most like of the beauty standards from society were kind of being put upon you at any time? Yeah. So I think something that comes up for me when I, when I think about age, when I think about like when this started was I was always really hyper conscious of my appearance from like my early teens Mm -hmm. because I unfortunately I look back on it now and I think I feel really uncomfortable with it but I would have like men notice me in the street when I was really young and it's like something that's like really vivid memories because like my mum would feel really uncomfortable about it like I was literally like 14 and I would have like men I like really vividly remember being in Topshop in Oxford Circus, UK girls will know it's like a, it's like, it was like a five-story Topshop, which now sadly doesn't exist anymore. Um, but um, I remember being on like the escalators, and there was like a guy coming up the other way, and I was like going down, and he just like made a comment about me, and I was literally like fourteen, and he was like thirty, and it just like that's when I really started to become aware of how much my appearance. I don't know. I felt I felt like pe- I realized people valued me because of my appearance mm. quite a lot. And then I would go out more throughout my teenage years and it's something that people would 
point out to me a lot, which is a, which is a wonderful, it's, it was obviously a wonderful experience and it helped me build loads of confidence, but it definitely, it did something to my self-worth when the thing that m- most people would say about me was like, oh, you're so pretty. Or like, and like, and like, that's like all they ever said <laughs> about me, mm-hmm. you know, like I never, I never got told like, oh, you're, re- you're a really smart girl. You're really mm-hmm. cool girl. It was like, you know, um, so yeah, I think that did a lot of forming in my mind of like, this is what people take away from knowing me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You said something really important there, Amy. Mm-hmm. Like, I just wanted to highlight it. It's like, that became the way you felt other people valued you was by your Mm -hmm. beauty. And that is pretty deep, honestly, because that ties in so deeply to beauty standards. It's because what we're fed through the media, what we're fed fed through, you know, conversations with our friends sometimes as younger kids is really value on looks. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's such a – I think when I was like a teen – it was such a fed to me type of thing that looks were of high value because I remember when I was growing up, okay, Y2K people out there, like <laughs> big thing was like Victoria's Secrets models. Like they were like yes. huge when I was growing up. And also like music videos are still a thing. I feel ancient mm-hmm. saying that, honestly. Like <laughs> listeners, like <laughs> I watched music videos on television. Like <laughs> And like, but I remember seeing like Britney Spears being on and like just very like sexualized and idolized Mm -hmm. and absorbing that as a young girl specifically. I think I was like, oh, like I saw the way the men were portrayed in her music videos, like looking at her, Mm -hmm. kind of lusting after her. And I was like, okay, I guess this is what we do. And like, this is how guys respond. So even just that, Mm -hmm. like, really put something in my mind as to, oh, women are supposed to be hot. Women are supposed to be pretty. Mm -hmm. Um, To be valued, to be noticed is the big thing for Mm -hmm. me. Oh, my God. Yeah. And what did they always say about Britney? Like, literally, like, sexy Britney. It's never, Mm -hmm. like, Britney's an accomplished artist. Yes. You know, she was not on Rolling Stone, like, an accomplished artist. She was on Rolling Stone, Mm -hmm. like, a – freakish like pedo made do you remember that rolling stone cover yes. where she was like lying in a bed with teddy bears yes. sorry in what? like underwear like, <laughs> yeah and I was yeah, like underwear and teddy bears on rolling stone mm-hmm. yeah and the oh my the god craziest yeah. thing too is like now that I'm older and I have a little bit more perspective especially around the Britney stuff that's come out it's so strange mm-hmm. that you know the reason for supply of that kind of focus Mm -hmm. of like sexualizing someone um, and or just seeing them for their beauty, it's because there's a demand for it. And sadly, it's interesting to look where that demand is really coming from Mm -hmm. because I don't really think it's coming from the women necessarily. No, no, no. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) And that actually, it comes nicely back to Mm -hmm. the the whole thing around beauty ideals are completely fabricated because Mm -hmm. they literally are modern beauty ideals that we're now all held to unwillingly. They were literally come up with by a group of men in a marketing room Mm -hmm. in New York when they were like, we've got things to sell and a great way to do that is to make all these people feel as insecure as we can and tell them that these needless things will make them feel better mm-hmm. when it was them that made us feel bad in the first place. And that is what it all goes back to. That's what mm-hmm. I believe it all goes back to anyway. Yeah. I am on the same page as you. And yeah, it just, in that group of marketing people, you know, there are, we've talked about it before when it came to food, like there are psychologists mm-hmm. on teams, like mm-hmm. clothing, big clothing brands usually have a psychologist on their team. And typically their job is to study how can we hook people to buy this product or how can we make this product more addictive? I don't think they can actually use that word legally, but how can we hook people is what you usually hear. And um, they do a great job with that. And what you're saying is true. They're going to play off of insecurities because fear and shame are very powerful Mm -hmm. emotions Mm -hmm. 
and are very easy to manipulate, which is really sad but true. So I believe that the fear of not fitting in, of not being within Mm -hmm. a norm goes back to even more ancient times like tribal times where if you weren't within the tribe, you weren't safe. You were on your own. You're on the outskirts, vulnerable. So this need to Mm -hmm. conform to whatever these fabricated standards are, I think for a lot of people, it's out of safety, out of not wanting to be singled out or be alone. Yes, absolutely. It like, yeah, it it makes us, we feel unsafe showing up as we actually are Mm -hmm. because we believe we should be all these other things. Totally. When we, there is just no need, there is no need for it. Yeah. But it's such an, it's the, the issue is so extensive now that it's like, I don't even know what it will take to turn it around. Yeah. I can't even, I can't imagine a world where everyone just accepts, accepts themselves exactly as they are. I can't fathom that now. I cannot. Yeah. I think it's – there's even connecting to beauty standards, but I think of this a lot, kind of theorize about it, is like when we're very young, a lot of us who go through a traditional schooling system, at least in the U.S., mm-hmm. we are taught to – there's some quote I heard that went like this, so it's not fully my own thoughts during this part, but someone once said like, you are taught to walk as a child and people want you to walk. They're rooting for you. And then the next thing you're told to sit down and to stop like learning and to just listen so that someone else can teach you. And those are two very different aspects of being a human. Um, And I believe that in the standardized school system here, when we value children who can sit, be quiet, listen, and absorb – There are benefits, yes, to learning that way, but also we don't make a difference or a differentiation between the way we school children and the way they can be in the world. Because in the world, you don't have to sit down and be fed things by authority, even though that's kind of how systems work. In the world, you are still open to walk around, still open to play and Play is, Mm -hmm. it comes back to freedom, I think. Play is like your most beautiful self-expression. And as an adult, I think playing comes to beauty standards as well. Like, oh, today I'm going to play around and I'm going to wear something more masculine today. Or I'm going to, I just feel this way today. I'm going to wear this like green outfit, you know? So Mm -hmm. I think it does tie back in some ways, at least for me, to traditional Mm. schooling and really just your voice being not valued while other people are trying to tell you what you need to know and how you need to be in a setting. Yeah. Yeah. That is, it's like the start of us and understanding and like even processing information and how we're, we start just being told what to do from a very young age. Um, But what you just said that was kind of interesting in terms of play and using beauty makeup whatever as a form of play that's a really nice way to reclaim it as something powerful for ourselves so rather than like using makeup in service of fitting in and all Mm -hmm. of that just using it as a way to express ourselves but like the the gray area between like are you using this as a crutch as a form of protection from the outside world mm-hmm. as something to build your confidence or are you truly using it just to have fun that's such a great area I know mm-hmm. for myself I never do it for fun yeah yeah <laughs> I am only I am only ever doing it because uh-huh. I think I need to look better than I do yeah actually yeah I think what it took for me one thing that really impacted beauty standards for me was going to college in this funky little town I've talked about before Olympia Washington and when I was there it was 2013 I started and when I came to college I kid you not I I tell I tell all my friends this story because it 
shook me. It made me feel so outcasted. But I showed up to the Evergreen State College, a small little liberal arts school, and I was in true religion jeans. I was in the boots with the fur. I was in Uggs. And I literally had like a juicy jacket on because that is how everybody dressed where I was from at the time. You're a Cali girl. I was a Cali girl. I was trying so hard. And I was like, you know, I finally got this down. I'm finally in. And I get to college and it's a totally, totally different environment, totally different beauty standards in Olympia, Washington at the time. And what was valued there was being on the outskirts, like being more funky, like more punk was like what everybody looked like. So there was like leather coats. People looked kind of grungy, like they're in the 90s and I'm over here in bright pink Uggs. And I was like, oh no. And I'll just never forget this one thing, it it definitely hurt my feelings, but this is when my my standards kind of started to change was after this experience. I went to get coffee at this small little coffee shop called um, Vita, like Vita Cafe in Olympia. They're no longer there, so I feel like I can say their name. So anyway, <laughs> so they were there at the time, and I went up to the cashier and I said, you know, can I please get a vanilla latte? And I guess when I was growing up here, I always had a higher pitched voice and that wasn't actually natural. It's just something I adapted to because that's how all the girls spoke here. Mm-hmm. So she looked at me and she was like, yeah, you can have a latte and like made fun of my voice. And I really didn't have it within me to stand up for myself. So I just laughed and was like, thanks and like paid. Oh. But I was like, oh God, like I think I'm being viewed in a way I don't want to be viewed here. Like, I don't want to be seen as this random prissy girl coming in where that style once served me in high school because it made me fit in with the norm, unfortunately. Now it was not the norm there. And I was like, holy shit. Like, now I have to rethink, do I actually like this style for myself? Like, was I – actually liking this or was I doing this to fit in? And that's when I was like, oh shit, I dressed this way to fit in. And then I had this like kind of awe moment of like, okay, well, who who's Janessa now? How do we want to reinvent ourselves? And um, I did that and I did in some ways conform to that punk style at the time for sure, but it did allow some freedom to play. That was a time where I played a lot. Yeah, I had like five different yeah. hair colors, I can tell you. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> bright pink hair. But for the record, I just mm-hmm. want to, the girl that mocked you, mm. that was 100% coming from insecurities within her, within her because I imagine she was like threatened by your like valley girl aesthetic you know yeah like I'm sure she like grown up around the grunge and whatever and she was watching girls that look like you on tv or whatever she's watching like the simple life and all that shit and she's and then so she was like oh my god who's this cool Californian girl in her juicy stuff and I'm just behind this coffee counter in my apron yeah and so and so <laughs> she mocked you made you feel insecure when it was her that felt insecure all along yeah no that's so thank you yes that's such like a mirror like people are really mirrors for each other and like yeah I have nothing else to say but thank you that actually helps my my past self heal from that because I still think about that and I joke about it nowadays but it totally hurt me I was so sad I was like I'll take my coffee to go fuck this place like yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, no, really mm-hmm. offensive and mean and gross. But um mm-hmm. yeah, I'm sure that's I'm sure that was what was going on in her head. And thank kind of in a way, thank goodness it happened mm-hmm. because it gave, it did give you that permission to try something new. Or not even the permission, yeah. but it, it pushed you to try something new. And that's you know, we'll go through life and there will be many different versions of us. And it's really normal to have, Mm -hmm. to be influenced by the people that you're around. And that's one of the beautiful things about life. Totally. Yes. Yeah. Mm. And Amy is like, speaking of switching it up, was there a time like when you were in your teens that you switched it up a little with your style? Do you remember a time ever where you were like, 
okay, I'm going to bust out of this and try this new style or – was there any like tell me about UK fashion trends? I know nothing. Come on. <laughs> I'm in the deeps. What were I the mean, standards? UK, oh my gosh. Okay. So UK fashion trends, what I specifically remember was um so there was a brand called Jack Wills, which was a little bit like Abercrombie and Fitch mm-hmm. in terms of that like kind of preppy um old money type vibe but I remember mm. we all used to so Uggs of course though it was Uggs and like you know those like <laughs> jeggings that weren't they were yes. like more elastic than they were cotton <laughs> and they're really skinny and like really saggy like on your ass and around your waist <laughs> those and then like a a Jack Wills or a Hollister like um hoodie mm-hmm. and then we had like really swept hair from the side um but I didn't see so that's kind of what we were all wearing. And I mean, looking back horrendous and looking back 100% only wanted to dress that way because that was conforming mm-hmm. with what everyone else does, which is so, which is the epitome of your teenagehood. Yeah. Like that's just, it's just what you do. That's completely mm-hmm. normal. Um, but I don't, I can't, I don't think I've ever like, try like I don't think I've ever been like I'm going to go after this new kind of like genre of a look Mm -hmm. now but that probably also is because I've stayed around my hometown like my whole life pretty much so Mm -hmm. I've only ever really been in with like a similar aesthetic you know Uh, I'm sure had I gone somewhere else for uni I would have been taking on a new persona (laughs) new vibe who Um, dis yeah (laughs) yes yeah but no but yeah yeah. what you said there is important though like that is what we do as teens and as kids and Mm -hmm. it just goes right back to what we were saying like it's goes back to something deeper something more tribal like you you want to survive. You want to be in a group. You want to be protected in that way. And that's yeah. actually as much as that can be a difficulty to work with it when you get older, it is something that's mm-hmm. sometimes needed when we're younger, that we provided a safe space where we fit in so that we could have an easier time getting through those times. Those times were yeah. hard enough. Like, holy crap. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so hard. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but there was always – I don't know. I guess for me, I I always felt like I didn't quite fit in like in like middle school and in high school with the beauty standards. And we touched on this a little bit in mm-hmm. the 30 Things You Learned by 30 episode, but um, I had this kind of weird experience growing up. So like when I was going to high school, I was going to this high school in – Menlo Park, California. The school is called Menlo Atherton. If you know about Atherton, it's like it is a very wealthy area. It's the most wealthy area in the world. And I was not from it. I was from the outskirts of that that were labeled as more middle class and lower middle class. And I was living with my mom and my grandparents on and off because we didn't have enough money to have our own place necessarily. And so, you know, it was a big deal. My mom got her first apartment. That was awesome. But I was going to school with people who were very wealthy, like very like, you know, Google inheritance, Apple, like all these big things that had come up in the area where I was from, their kids were going to these schools. And so it was just really hard. One, financially, my mom and I didn't have the means for me to keep up with like all the trends that were happening at the time. But I also noticed in high school that I didn't really know how I fit in because a lot of the cool kids at the time were very blue-eyed, blonde-haired, and um, like very Caucasian. And at that time, I, I am only I'm half Mexican. My dad is from Michoacan, Mexico, and like I was so tan at that time, just naturally, and just I just didn't look like other people. I just did not, and. Um, I wasn't alone in that feeling, um, even though it felt like it, because there were other Hispanic kids at our school, um, but there was like a very clear divide between um, kind of the wealthier Mm -hmm. children and the non-wealthier children at the school to the point where they would even sit in different areas. Like it was very separated. So I always wanted to sit with the cool kids. I always wanted to be in that area, and I always felt so inadequate 
with those beauty standards because I just couldn't afford the latest true religions, the latest this, the latest that. And um, yeah, I just remember feeling very like I was hustling to fit in all the time. So I don't know. To any other people who went through that, hey, (laughs) I'm okay now. (laughs) We're good. But like that is a tough time in life when you feel like you're just trying really hard to like fit in and you you feel like you're barely fitting in even when you're trying your best. Mm-hmm. And then how do you do you I mean I guess I feel me stumb, stumbling my words because as soon as someone starts talking about like race I literally have no oh, idea. No, no, to, you're good. To have the conversation. No, don't worry. <laughs> how do you do you feel? What do you um No, you can I was, well, yeah. What I was going to what I was trying to get out was like the I feel like maybe at that time there wasn't representation of Mexican women mm-hmm. in the media, et cetera. Do you feel that that's different now? Yeah, I do feel like it's different yeah. now. Um, I think that there's been such a cultural shift now where I live that it is more valued at this current time um, to be more self-expressive and to be unique and yeah. to kind of let your – here, I think some people may find this offensive, but there used to be like a saying in the 60s called like, let your freak flag fly. But like, yeah, that's kind of how it is now. Like, like just be your little weirdo self. And mm-hmm. that's what's valued more now. Yeah. Um, I do see the ways in which when we place value on a specific way of being, even if it's being obscure and out there in certain ways, it does still provide a gap for people who actually really did like older styles. Um, And that really spoke to them because that may make them feel left out. So I know that there's always going to be a kind of area where some people feel underrepresented. Um, And specific to like Hispanic, it was weird because I grew up with my mom and my mom is pretty damn white. (laughs) My dad's super Mexican. And so – that was also a whole nother dynamic growing up. You know, I look like my mom, but I'm a bit tanner. And um, yeah, mm-hmm. it was interesting. I think I started to – I just always wanted to look whiter. I just always wanted to have blonde hair. And um, I am okay with that. I want to put that out there that like – so like tomorrow I'm getting my hair dyed more blonde. And I have always wanted that for myself. And I've gone through people questioning me being like, oh, do you think this is because you just like want to like – put behind your culture and like you want to like step into like an easier identity and I'm like no not really not at all I just like blonde hair and I'm gonna do it so (laughs) so yeah I've kind of learned to just do what I want but I do believe there's more representation now of people of color and mixed races as well yeah it's um yeah, I really I love to hear you say that about your hair and how you just want to do it, so you're gonna do it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think that's a really powerful message to send because I've been thinking about the the responsibility we all have to play a part in breaking all mm-hmm. of these ideals that are thrust upon us, and how that's really hard thing to do when you naturally also want to find just you find yourself wanting to partake in them right Mm -hmm. so like in like a matter of like practicing what you preach because I'm think all these things and I deeply believe them in my heart that like the world would be a better place if everyone just stopped trying to change things about themselves Mm -hmm. but on the other hand I'm like currently covered in fake tan (laughs) No, and it's like like I I really Mm -hmm. I battle with this like this isn't gonna change if I keep buying into this shit Mm -hmm. but equally I don't want to not buy into this shit because it makes me feel good yeah and I'm like what what's the what am I supposed to do what's the right thing to do here and I think that's so relatable for everybody everybody listening and I think what it comes down to is really if we can make an intention with what we're choosing as adults, we may not have been able to do that as children and we have to forgive ourselves because we did the best with what we had at that time. But right now, like if we're able to just say, you know what, 
I, I feel really good when I have blonde hair and I know it's not my mm. natural hair, but it really does something for me. And in a world that has so much bullshit around it already, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to take that one thing and I'm just going to work it. And yeah, yeah, I'm going to do that for myself, you know? <laughs> so I think, yeah. you know, yeah, I, I, I believe there are how, how do I want to word it? There are beauty standards, clearly, but I also think we get to choose which beauty standards we comply with and which ones we mm-hmm. decide to go with and what our beauty standards are. Get to kind of rewrite that. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. I like that, deciding what, what our own beauty standards are. Yeah. And then, you know, like I was going to say, Amy, I want to bring it around to chronic illness and beauty standards, mm. though, because mm-hmm. that's a big one. And yeah, I wanted to hear what you have to say on that because I think that's really important. Yeah, so I was reading this article earlier. Um, this is Jessica Defino again, who I mentioned <laughs> in my 30 um, things I've learned by 30. So she is a phenomenal writer and I love all of her takes on everything beauty related. Um, and she wrote an article the other day, which was essentially about how the beauty industry glamorizes the aesthetic of illness. Mm. So we can see that we saw that in like the nineties with the heroin chic Kate Moss, like super skinny models, Mm -hmm. like, you know, dark eyes, super pale skin. Um, And they were the one that they're kind of talking about now is um, I can't remember what she called it, but it's like the the example that she uses is, you know, how some female celebrities are like bleaching their eyebrows to make it look like they don't have eyebrows yes. <laughs> and how that would be like a, um, like a, it's almost like, it's like a non-conformist thing. Mm-hmm. However, by the, the fact that they're Everyone's changing it. their face, like they are, it is, it becomes a beauty standard. And what Jessica had to say about it is essentially, um, so the beauty industry glamorizes the aesthetic of illness, but that's still deeply ableist. So illness is only considered cool if it's put on Mm -hmm. and it's only considered beautiful or chic if it seems deliberate, if it signals wealth or if it demands money and effort. Mm -hmm. So taking the bull brow trend as an, uh, taking that, as an example, um, Jessica is someone who has no eyebrows because she has an illness, which mm-hmm. I'm not going to say, but I think it's like, no, trichotillomania. I think it's when people pull their hair out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then her mom has sparse eyebrows after going through chemo. So mm-hmm. the beauty industry does not consider their symptoms to be cool or beautiful or alien-like or edgy, which is how it frames the glamorized bald brows um the beauty media does not see them as trendsetters it sees them as sick and it sees the sickness as an opportunity to sell us pencils powders and procedures to make us look well again oh and I think it's yeah that last sentence I know wow wait Amy I did not even that I needed in my life because I didn't even think that way I was like yeah yeah bleaching the eyebrows and then I I forget because of the realm I exist in when things don't affect me Mm -hmm. as much sometimes I forget that these are still important and so yeah I don't even know how I would feel if I was going through something that affected my hair or affected my facial Mm -hmm. hair and brows and then we're seeing these trends that are kind of taking over yeah Mm -hmm. I have not considered that wow yeah but it's just the it's the for me what it comes down to is the like whatever way you look naturally is not the way you should look and we need your money so that you can change Mm -hmm. it and look normal yeah when normal is how you look yeah yeah like it, it, it it is just you like that is like we're we're constantly like on a hamster wheel of something that is completely non-achievable because it's all made up mm-hmm. and it's like where where does this it's never gonna end it doesn't have an end because as soon as you I don't know as soon as you have your lips filled suddenly big pouty lips aren't popular anymore and mm-hmm. you get your filler dissolved and then yeah you know 
you pay hundreds of pounds for hair extensions and then Hayley Bieber chops her hair off into a bob and then you're like oh no everyone's gonna have a bob now <laughs> yeah it's just you know, it, it literally yeah. is it's like it's an it's a never-ending cycle unless we can mm-hmm. we can break it totally yeah and then also mm-hmm. it is hard I think in terms of I can't relate specifically to Jessica's experience at all I, I don't I don't have that in my background, but I can relate to having RA and Mm -hmm. things like rings. Like, like there are certain rings I can't wear anymore. And I want to, because those cute little like chic bands came back into style here. Like, and people are wearing these little silver bands, like kind of mid rings. And Mm -hmm. some of my fingers are so swollen that those bands do not work for me. Um, and that may seem small and insignificant, but it, it can be really big and can feel detrimental when, you know, Mm. when you think of the way that other people may view your hands. And even though that's not the way you should feel valued in any sense, sometimes it's hard Mm. to not think like, oh God, I don't look like everybody else right now, or I don't, I have these things that stand out about me. Mm. So Yeah. Yeah, and not only do I not look like everybody else, but I don't look like the past me. Mm-hmm. I don't look like my I don't look like myself anymore. Yes, as if we have like a an idea of the perfect self or like the ideal self, mm-hmm. and we're always either trying to get back to it, or when we lose weight, we're gonna look like that ideal self. And we're never just being ourselves. Yeah. We're never just appreciating in this moment the things that are happening to us. It's always like, oh, my stomach used to look so much better. Or, oh, when my skin clears up, I'll be confident again. And it we're never we're never sitting back and appreciating all that really exists, which is now, which is who we are now. Mm. That's the only tangible thing. Yeah. That goes into spiritual stuff too. Mm. That ties really well mm-hmm. into your entire, you know, um, thing that you've learned is like when we are so absorbed in the idea of how we look and the idea of how other people view us and how other people see us in the world, we lose sight of our own inner experiences in the in these precious moments. And yeah, the now is a very fun and spiritual time. And I, I think spiritual doesn't yeah. I love the word spiritual. I loved it before it was even a trend to like that word. I always felt connected to it. And I believe yeah. for me, the most spiritual thing I can do is like play. Cause when I'm playing, I'm in the present. I'm in the now. I can't, you know, daydreaming's different, but when I'm having mm-hmm. fun, enjoying myself, I really I'm there. I'm doing it. So that play for me is spiritual. Oh, love. I love that. And I, yeah, to, to the, I'm glad that you pointed out the spiritual side of it because spiritually, whether God like comes into the conversation for you or not, like we can talk about God or we can just talk about mm-hmm. the universe or just the world essence, whatever it is. But you were I'm going to use God just for the Mm -hmm. sake of this but so God put you here in the in the form that you are for a reason and you have value in that way and God believes that and wants you to be here in that way and the the more that you're choosing something different or trying to change that the further away you get from the reason you're really here and that Mm. is to be you exactly as you are and your innate value in that yes and the like the universe already believed in your value just as you are and it put you here perfectly yes and that goes into something that I think about a lot is like when it comes to any standard beauty or any other ones all we're really looking for as human beings is to fit in and to be loved and to be valued And what you just said, Amy, and what I interpreted from what you just said is like 
just the mere fact that you exist, that you are here, innately gives you value mm-hmm. and that you you don't have to earn love in any of these ways yep. and that it's just yeah. inherently there. You're born into mm-hmm. into love, whether yeah, or not that's apparent, but you are. Yeah. 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 I love that. That's something that really like brings me comfort at times of insecurity is mm-hmm. thinking about that, that exact concept that I'm loved by something greater exactly as I am mm-hmm. yeah as well as love as well as love by many human people as well but yes yeah, yeah totally it's a, good, it's a good way to comfort when you're like comfort yourself when you're working through your insecurities and just constantly being focused on should I change this should I get this should I blah 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 mm-hmm. just being like no I already mm-hmm. I already am loved exactly as I am. Yeah. And also I think a good way to practice that if you feel overwhelmed or if you feel like these topics are really relevant for you that we're talking about, something I would highly suggest is just go off social media for a little. I think that a lot of these are just being fed to us through social media and if you just take a break, even if it's just for a day or two and just go out, enjoy a good farmer's market, get a good cup of coffee, wear something that makes you feel good, just genuinely you at that day, that time. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's such a service to yourself and such a yeah. act of self-love. Yes. Yeah. I love, yes. Oh my God. Yes. I could, that nothing makes me feel worse than going on the Instagram explore page mm-hmm. and seeing a person that looks completely the opposite of me wearing something that I would never be able to afford to buy and like I just immediately I'm going to be discontented with my life Mm -hmm. like you've got we've got to move away from social media I know we went I know I went on a rant about it (laughs) the other day so I'll try not to but yeah it's just it's with the filters as well yes another (laughs) amazing example of how fucking poisonous it is like you're not even they're not even people's real faces like it shouldn't it should not be so easy to just swipe Mm -hmm. and see yourself in a completely different way with a different nose and different lips and different colored teeth and different colored eyes and different colored hair (laughs) like what the fuck like it's just like it's so poisonous it's so poisonous it's wild definitely like we don't we don't stand a chance Mm -hmm. we really don't how are we supposed to accept ourselves when that's in the palm of our hand that's true yeah and also you know one thing I'll put out there it makes me want to cringe when I think about it but when I first started my Instagram page as J takes on a before I did the spiritual nutritionist I came across this app called facetune Mm-hmm. And you can pretty much like change the size of your face. You can change the size of your eyes, your nose, your everything. And I was like, oh, what? And I, I was kind of appalled at first. But then I was yeah. noticing how like pristine everybody looked in their photos. And I was like, is everybody using this? And I'm just not. Mm-hmm. like. And so I started using that for a little bit. And I did a couple posts myself with it. And I just like was so grossed out that I did that. And I think since then I've removed the photos from my page. But yeah, yeah, I I want to just say that because it's really easy to walk into these things and to feel like, okay, I guess I have to do this now. And mm-hmm. nobody is exempt from that. <laughs> Literally nobody. At some point, everybody's done something to oh, yeah. to try and, you know, you know, be seen or be valued or, you know, to fit into some standards. And so that was one of mine from like just maybe a year or two ago and so yeah yeah, I even battled with that then like wanting to look you know perfect in these photos but I'm not perfect I'm so fucking messy are you kidding me like (laughs) oh my god so so yeah I stopped using that I deleted off my phone I was like this is just a lie this is a lie yeah it's a lie yeah and that comes back to like kind of what I was saying about the responsibility and how mm-hmm. we do, we have an obligation to not perpetuate that as much as we can. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. 
even though yeah it's the hardest thing but you can just put a picture of yourself untweaked on social media in fact if you're listening to this please go and post a picture to your story of yourself yes. in all your natural beauty mm-hmm. not no filters no face tune and tag us please so we do can see. yeah because yeah we would love to see that and now I feel like we now have to do that as well Janessa. we will and you know what <laughs> we will do you are like honestly it's crazy I was just watching one of your videos the other day Amy and like it was like you had your towel your hair in a towel and you mm-hmm. didn't have any makeup on it and look like and I just was literally like oh my god this is such a beautiful human being like just innately a, a beautiful inside and out human being you know and so I just was thinking I was like I love that. I love that, that you just showed up and you're like, here's me getting ready. And it's not, you know, I hate videos. It's like, let's get ready. And they already have makeup on. I'm like, what? Yeah. Wait, wait, what? Oh my God. <laughs> oh. Oh God. So yeah, I was yeah. just like, oh, hell yeah, Amy. <laughs> yeah, no, I was fresh out of the shower. But um, yeah, that's definitely where I try and be at and I have to say also it gets so much easier the older you get mm. I, I know I'm like oh I'm 30 now so I'm so <laughs> old and wise but like I've never had mm. more acceptance for myself than I do right now and I think yeah. that's definitely something that, that just naturally comes with age because you you just stop caring what other people mm. think of you and you start to notice the things that are beautiful about you and it has a compound effect like the more you're like oh I I really like this about myself you're gonna notice more things you like about the self and the more you show up with the less changed about yourself and you see that the world hasn't ended and people are still like hi you look great and you're like oh okay Mm -hmm. the more that happens the more it perpetuates the same with the other way around if you the more negative things you notice about yourself you end up in an absolute state being like, well, yeah. I, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be here anymore because I'm such a hot mess. Like it's the same. It's totally, like the, yeah. yeah. Compounding works the same both ways. So mm-hmm. yeah. And um, your lens will shift. That's what you're saying uh-huh. too. Is like, yeah, I oftentimes when I am not confident in the way that I appear or in the way that I'm showing up to something, to this day, I did it yesterday, even at the gym, I will look at someone else and in my head think like, oh, well, she's doing this or he's doing that, you know? Mm-hmm. And when I do that, I catch myself nowadays and I say, that has nothing to do with that person. She looks hot as hell, yes, and I cannot judge her. Like, so what? what is it in me that mm-hmm. that pisses me off, you know? And it's like, oh, yeah. it's because I – I wore workout pants yesterday that were so fucking tight that I felt awful, you know? Yes. <laughs> and I should have worn something a little looser, you know? And I just was not <laughs> confident in the way I was feeling. And like, yeah, it really just the way you view yourself is the way you view the world. Yes. Oh, yes. And asking asking yourself why is so powerful as well. Like when it comes to your appearance, when you're like, oh, I hate my enter whatever part of yourself you hate that day ask yourself why you hate it because nearly 100% of the time it's because it doesn't look how you think it should look Mm -hmm. and the only reason you think it should look a certain way is because you've been told it should yeah 100% ah I feel like we just touched on so much goodness in that and I hope that you all take your beautiful photos of yourself, no filter, none of none of anything on your face. I'll do it for sure. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Me too. Me too. And you really like the to wrap it up a little bit, I guess, like truly, and I know this is like something like your mom and your gram would have said to you when you were younger, but it is your uniqueness that makes you beautiful Mm -hmm. the things that make you different from others that that truly is like your power and that is your beauty because it if we all that kind of I literally sound like my nan but like if we all looked the same no one would be beautiful we because we'd all look the same like if if, you know Mm -hmm. you're I remember a couple of years ago um they were talking about how Bella Hadid 
didn't um like wish she hadn't had a nose job and like from that I read a quote that was like your you know big nose or whatever Mm -hmm. is proof that ancestors with your big nose have been loved for generations and it's true because your features came from somewhere and you wouldn't have been born if that your ancestors weren't loving on each other so yeah Mm -hmm. they're all should be really proud of the things that make you unique because they were they were passed on to you with love from the people who came before you What an honor. <laughs> yes. What an honor. Really. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you all, you beautiful human beings, just innately from existing, for being here today. <laughs> we love you and we really appreciate you being here. Um, and Amy, I want to thank you because this was a beautiful, beautiful part of your 30 Things You Learned by 30 that it really has invoked a good amount of me thinking of standards that I hold myself to that are not realistic. Mm. So I needed that more than, you know, at this time. So thank you. Good. Oh, I love it. Good. I'm really glad. And yeah, I, I hope all of you are feeling a little bit more empowered and a little bit more peaceful than you were Mm. when you started listening to this podcast, because you're absolutely beautiful and perfect I feel like the um you know the Paris Hilton <laughs> have you seen the Paris Hilton meme where she's like remember we're all beautiful princesses <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes I feel like that's what I just did but yeah you guys know you guys know I love and value you thank you mm-hmm. yeah and feel free to again tag us in your photos of yes. just your natural beauty and also yeah. go ahead and follow us at wounded healers um podcast on instagram amy has made some stellar memes she's our meme queen so go check it out (laughs) please do and um yeah we will see you again in two weeks time and until then remember to let the light in Bye. bye